Pastor Jim Graff's A Significant Life Ministry is now reaching millions around the globe, carrying God's message of hope to those in need, as well as those of us struggling through life in these uncertain times. Learn more about Pastor Jim Graff's ministry at asignificantlife.com and receive encouragement with his free weekly Step into Significance devotional. Watch impact testimonies, catch up on shows you may have missed, and read about how his family ministers together worldwide. We appreciate you joining us with your prayers and financial support. Join our tribe today at asignificantlife.com. Welcome, my friend, to A Significant Life. We're so grateful for this opportunity to nurture your potential through God's Word, and we're really grateful for your commitment to nurture the God-given significance created within you. You know, we all want to experience satisfaction in our heart, right? And we want it to increase through season after season in our life. And as believers, we want God to be glorified greatly in our story too because of all the things that He does. But today we're going to learn that we can't work hard enough to experience that. Though working hard is a big part of bringing forth our potential, but so is waiting in the Lord's presence. That's how we receive the ability He has to accomplish what we can never accomplish in our strength alone. Today, enjoy God's Word. He's ready to do great things in your life. We're continuing our series, The Great Invitation. Help me out if you're out there. You know I like to talk to you. Everybody say the great Great. invitation. Invitation. We've been looking at various invitations God gives us as his people. So two weeks ago, Pastor Mike talked about the Holy Spirit and everything that we're invited to with a relationship from the Holy Spirit. Last week, the big dog himself in the pouring rain talked about uh, how God's work should wow us. Now, I think they're conspiring against me because they gave me my topic and what I get to preach on, and it's like not very popular. So take it up with him. Um, But today I'm gonna talk to you about how sometimes God's invitation to us is an invitation to wait. So here's the title of my message. And faith that God's gonna give you something out of it. Repeat after me, say, don't waste the wait. One more time. Don't waste the wait. I got this idea from Acts chapter 24. Let me give you some context of what's going on in Acts chapter 24. Basically, the apostle Paul gets falsely accused of starting all these riots. So this mob forms and they drag Paul in front of this Roman procurator named Felix. Felix is essentially just a Roman judge. So Paul has to present his case in front of this Roman judge named Felix. And he's sitting there and he's trying to say like, I am innocent. I have not started riots. I haven't done anything. So Felix hears the case, but Felix is kind of procrastinating and he makes Paul wait. Watch, it says in verse 22 and 23, it says at that point, Felix, that's the Roman procurator, who was quite familiar with the way, that's actually what Christians were called back in the early first century, Familiar with the way he adjourned the hearing and he said, hey, wait until Lysias, the garrison commander, arrives. Then I will decide the case. He ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody 
but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to visit him and take care of his needs. So if you're following, Paul's like, I don't know what to, I mean, Felix is like, I don't know what to decide yet. So Paul, go back in custody. And actually, Felix was a little bit curious about Christianity. So he'd like peek back in the jail cell and be like, tell me a little bit about Jesus. And then he would keep coming back and asking questions. And uh, Paul would talk to him. So it says in verse 24 and 25, a few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla. I'm just, I didn't say it. You laughed already, Drusilla. Anybody pregnant in here? May I suggest to you a name? Six pounds, eight ounce, Drusilla. All right. A few days later, Felix came back with Drusilla, daughter of Godzilla. That's it. We're moving on. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who is Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as Paul talked to them about faith in Jesus Christ. As Paul reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control in the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Now it's important because Roman authorities did not show emotion. So like Paul preaches to this guy while he's in prison and this Roman judge gets gripped from the inside by the Holy Spirit, but he's not really wanting to commit to Jesus still. So Felix says, go away for now, he replied. When it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. So Felix is playing this like cat and mouse game. Like, Paul, tell me about Jesus. Oh, that's convicting. I don't want to hear it. Paul, tell me a little more. And maybe later. And he's just procrastinating in his faith. But it's the next verse that threw me off. Because it's just one verse in the Bible. But when you read it, watch it. Verse 27. After two years. How many years? After two years went by in this way. Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. In the Bible, it's one quick little verse, but in real time, Paul sat in that prison cell waiting for two years. Paul's in jail. If anybody had an excuse to waste the wait, if anybody had an excuse to say, well, what can God really do with me right now? I'm just kind of sitting here waiting for him to, if anybody could have made excuses, it was Paul. He was in prison. What was he going to do? But then God started dealing with me about how different the two characters was. You had Felix, who was a free man, procrastinating in his faith. And then you have Paul, who is a prisoner, being proactive and still preaching the gospel even though he's in jail. Our situations do not always determine as much as we think they do. Our situations are not always the thing that's limiting us from doing what God is asking us to do. So God started to deal with me and how I handle those waiting seasons. Those seasons where you're doing something temporary, right? Like I'm not always gonna be in this job. I'm not always gonna be, you know, the parent of a little toddler. I'm not always going to be in this one day. I am going to fill in the blank. But until that day comes, I'm just waiting. Right, but Paul shows me there's a right way to wait and there's a wrong way to wait. And I think if we're not careful, we will waste our wait and then we're not prepared to move on to the next thing when it actually comes. So I'm going to show you four things to do in the wait, four little declarations you can talk to yourself so that we do not waste our wait. You ready? Here's the first one. In the wait, I will watch. Everybody say watch. 
In Psalms 130, verse six, it compares waiting to watching. Check this out. It says, I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. Yes, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. Waiting is compared to being like a watchman. Now, what did watchmen do? They watched. I know, crazy, right? Very creative. They watched. See, they were stationed at night. They knew that morning was coming, but until the morning came, their job was to watch and say, okay, till it gets here, what do I need to do? And I started thinking about like, man, this is Paul. Paul is literally waiting for what he knows is gonna come next. He's supposed to preach the word to the world. He's supposed to, but he can't right now. He's in prison. His body is locked up, but his eyes are open. He's watching for the opportunity that he has, even if it is not the opportunity that he wants. Good waiting always starts with good watching. Saying, Lord, I know that morning's coming. I know that something else is on the horizon, but until that day, would you open my eyes to see what I need to see in this season and be responsible for it? That's what he's doing. And I started to think about how after I graduated college, I was 22 or 23 years old, I worked at this grocery store called Ralph's. I had uh, moved from Oklahoma and I was living in Los Angeles getting my Master's of Divinity. It sounds like a Harry Potter degree. It's basically just (laughs) stuff about the Bible. So I'm sitting there and y'all, you talk about a waiting season, okay? I'm supposed to be preaching the good news and your boy's bagging canned goods just beep beep. Thank you for shopping at Ralph's. Would you like to sign up for a promotion card? No, nobody ever does. Thank you. Just kidding. (laughs) And I'm sitting there and man, I try to not speak disrespectfully about my boss. She, the Lord loved her. He did. The Lord loved her a lot. She was a real Drusilla, if you know what I mean. Okay. (laughs) She's just a real Drusilla. And she would get so mad sometimes and be so rude and there were several times like we all knew she was wrong and she'd never apologize like one time we had to undo everything she told us to do like corporate came to our store in LA and was like undo it all and we were like Laura this wasn't what we were supposed to do and she would never apologize she just oh I had to pray for her Laura's testing me anyway I remember saying like man if I ever lead anybody I'm gonna try to be really kind and you know what If I make a mistake, I'm going to be very quick to apologize because the people under me probably respect me more for it, not think less of me for it. And I did not know that just two years after that, I would actually be leading a little team here in Victoria, Texas in the next gen. But you know what's funny? I think I'm a better leader at Faith Family Church because I was a watchful employee at Ralph's Grocery Store. It's weird how it works, but listen, God will not waste a season of your life if you keep your eyes open. If you keep your eyes open, even in a waiting season, he will show you lessons from the good and from the bad. So in the wait, the first thing we got to do is watch. Everybody say watch. Now here's the second thing. In the wait, I will act. Everybody say act. This is what I've learned. Read the Bible. God uses busy people. You're not going to find somebody that's just lounging around and God's like, you. You've been watching ESPN for 30 days straight. Get ready. <laughs> hey, man, no, I'm going to go watch the Warriors game seven at 2.30 just like you, whoever watches ESPN, okay? But 
when God called David, David, uh, when he called David to be the king, David was busy tending sheep, working hard at what God put in front of him in that season. And God said, oh, I could use that. When God called Peter, James, and John, they weren't lounging around doing nothing. They were working hard at what was uh, in their hand at that season. They were fishing and God said, oh, they're busy. I could use that. When God brought Boaz to Ruth, Ruth wasn't just lounging around. Ruth was harvesting grain, trying to make a living for her, her family as a single woman. And God was like, man, she's still working hard. I can use that. What am I saying? I'm saying this. Of course, God wants us to live in the reality of eventually one day, but he always wants us to work hard for today. God evaluates how active we are in the wait. And I realized that this was Paul. Paul could have just sat there and been like, well, what can I really do? But he was still active in the wait. He said, no, 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 I'm in prison, sure, but there's still something I can do. There's still somebody I could preach to. There's still someone I could reach for Jesus. Waiting is active. I'll prove it to you. One of the most common scriptures we have on waiting is Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says this, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up, that's active, with wings like eagles. They shall run, that's active. And a lot of y'all been avoiding that activity hard. I'm saying. They shall walk and not faint. Those are active, th- active ways of waiting. See, a lot of times we don't want to act till we have the perfect circumstance. And God is like, hey, I am the perfect God. You don't need to have the perfect circumstance. You just need to be proactive. Start doing something with what I put in your hand already. It takes faith to walk by faith. But then again, think about that saying. We walk by, it does not say we lay down and take a nap by faith. Ah, Sometimes I wish it did. We walk by faith. We got to start moving. I don't know where this saying came from, but I like it. It says, God can't steer a parked car. I mean, I'm sure God could do whatever he wants. I'm not saying that's in the Bible, but I like it. God can't steer a parked car. You know what it means? It means we just want direction all the time and we're like, God, just give me direction. And he's like, hey, we'll start moving and maybe God will start to turn the wheel a little bit. Get active. But I think a lot of times we sit in the parking lot, got the car in park, both hands on the wheels, and we're like, Lord, show me and I'll go. Everybody say that. Show Show. and I'll go. That is our formula. Lord, show and I'll go. Let me show you God's formula. Genesis 12, 1, God's talking to a guy named Abram. It says, the Lord has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show, wait, that messes our formula up. Because we like to be like, Lord, just show and I'll go. And God's like, no, no, no. What do you think walk by faith means? How about go and I'll show? No, 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 God, just show and I'll go. A lot of times we're sitting there like, man, if God would just give me some direction, I would take action. And God's like, I'm a God who responds to faith. So how about you start to take action and then I'll give you direction. It's flipped. That's called walking by faith. God has incredible things for you to do right now. You got to watch in the wait. You got to act in the wait. And if you want direction for later, man, start to take action right now. God calling you to start a business, that's good. You might not have the resources for it. All I don't know. But if he's calling you to start a business, what can you do now? You can manage your personal finances well now. Students, 
God calls you to be a leader one day, all right, don't be a follower at school. Why would you act different than how God's calling you to act in the future? Do it right now. Yo, I'm so proud of my wife. My wife has wanted to be used by God in medicine for probably 12 years or more. And she about to graduate as a physician associate in January, somebody. You might catch me in a different car than the 15-year-old one I'm driving. <laughs> Better chill. <laughs> but really, my wife has been wanting to be used by God in medicine for 12 years. It's been 12 years, and she's still not where she wants to be. She's still waiting. But guess what? It's been a very active waiting. See, in high school, she was already taking pre-AP classes. And, and I met her at college at 18 years old, and she was working for free in cancer research labs just to get her resume better. Then when she did graduate with her bio pre-med degree in college, and she was still trying to get into med school, she was working horrible jobs in Los Angeles, keeping her feet steady, her eyes focused. Why? Because God puts something in our heart for one day, but he always puts something in your hand for today. What is in your hand? What is in your hand? It's like with Moses. Moses is like, God tells Moses, go set the people free. He's like, I can't do all that. I can't take action. What do you want me to do? What you got in your hand, God said? A stick. We about to kick butt with that stick, Moses. Let's start to take action. God's will. Listen, God wants to, to fulfill all the dreams in your heart. But the greatest test of your faith is your faithfulness. So if you have faith for the future, then prove it with faithfulness in the present. If you got faith for the future, prove it with faithfulness in the present. God is asking us to watch in the wait, act in the wait, and third, in the wait I will improve. Everybody say improve. God always wants us to be improving in our wait. Now let me go back to Paul, because in Acts chapter 24, Paul is sitting in that prison cell, right? I just showed you. But that's even more astonishing when you realize that in Acts chapter 23, the, just one chapter before, he's not in a prison cell. He's having a conversation with God. Look what God tells him, Acts 23, 11. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul. Just as you've been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. One chapter before, God's like, hey, Paul, pack your bags, buddy. You're taking the gospel to Rome. You're going to cross that sea. You're going to talk to all those Romans. One chapter later, from 23 to 24, Paul is not preaching in Rome. He is sitting in jail in a city of Judea, a thousand miles away from where he knows God just called him. And he'll be there for two years. Over two years, supposed to be a preacher in Rome. He's a prisoner in Judea. He could have had so many excuses. How is God going to develop me and what I know he's called me to if I'm sitting in this thing? But Paul chose to improve in the way. One more time, everybody say improve. improve. Let me explain what I mean because I started thinking about it. Like, like Paul, he couldn't go speak to all of Rome like God just asked him to do. But what could he do? He could talk to one Roman named Felix, who was the judge. And I started thinking about it. Like, Paul got to try out his sermons on this guy. That's what I do all the time. 
I'll talk to somebody, and if they don't receive it, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to preach on that. That was a dumb idea anyway. <laughs> he got to try out his jokes. A first service, there where I try out my jokes. If they, if they laugh, then it makes it here. And then if you don't laugh, the problem's you, not them. <laughs> he got to try out his logic. He got to try out his sermon. And I started to think like, man, that's crazy. If our eyes are open, if we're willing to act, if we're willing to improve, God can develop you anywhere that you're faithful. God's not looking for you to have the best location. Oh, well, I wanted to develop so-and-so, but they just were in. No, he can develop you anywhere that you're faithful. So watch this. Paul knows in his heart, because he just talked to God in Acts chapter 23. He knows one day I'm going to cross the sea and I'm going to preach to all of Rome. But right now I can't. So what can I do? I can cross my jail cell and I can talk to one Roman. Yet he who is faithful with little will be given much. And one day, Paul did get out of jail. One day, Paul did eventually make it to Rome. And he got to practice and preach all those sermons. And I think he had this moment as he was preaching in Rome where he looked back on that two years waiting in that jail cell in Judea and thought, wow, the prison prepared me for this? I... What? And and my prayer for you is that as you're faithful in whatever season you're in right now, you'll look back and you'll say the same thing. Like that job prepared me for this? The breakup, the, the heartbreak, the home life. I thought it was a wasted season. And God says, no, if I'm in it, there is no such thing as a wasted season. It's a waiting season. God is allowing you to improve in the wait. And the cool thing is just like with Paul, as you improve in the weight, he's behind the scenes preparing the way. God is always preparing you for what he has prepared for you. So maybe where you are feels like nothing to do with where you want to be. Well, I have good news. God's ability to develop you is not limited by your location. It's limited only if you do nothing. So do not do nothing. Most of us aren't in permanent seasons. But God's still working, so you keep working too. Now, let me end this sermon. In the wait, I will watch, I will act, I will improve. And lastly, in the wait, I will trust. Everybody say trust. I've realized this. Waiting tests your trust. Sometimes waiting and trusting feel like they're the same thing, don't they? Even in the Bible, check this out. I read to you Isaiah 40, 31. It says, uh, but those who wait, for the Lord shall renew their strength. But some translations say it like this, but those who (laughs) trust in the Lord. That word can mean either thing, wait or trust. And it makes sense because waiting forces you to make a decision. Either I trust God or I don't. Waiting is trusting if you can wait the right way. Well, how do you wait the right way? Well, first you watch. What opportunity has God given you right now? And when you see it, then you act. Okay, I might not be able to do everything I want, but I can do something I want. I'll watch, I act. And he doesn't just want you to do it and go through the motions, but he wants you to improve and do it with excellence. And when you act, when you watch, act, improve, it shows God, I'm I'm trusting you. So watch this, okay? I didn't wanna just give you some word that you think about Sunday and not think about the rest of the week. Truth is, 
God gave me this word probably two to three years ago and I wrote it down on a little piece of paper and I wanted to make sure I remembered it every time I felt like I was stuck in a waiting season. So what do we do? How do we not waste the wait? We, we help me media people put it all together. You might have caught it, but if you want to remember how to wait, I made it easy for you. You watch, you act, improve, trust. Watch, act, improve, trust. And when you put all the first letters of those words together, it spells what? Watch, act, improve, trust. And when you do that, you're throwing your hands up in surrender saying, Lord, I trust that you're working. God, I know that I'm here and and you probably have different plans for me in the future, but I'm not going to waste this season. I know it's hard to show up to something every single day that doesn't feel like it's where you're supposed to be for the long run. It just feels like you're waiting. But if you will wait the way God asks you, he will not just make that season bearable, he'll make it fruitful. You'll look back. And I say this all the time, but let me close with the example of David. You know, David, David was called to be the king. And then he sent back to the shepherd's field for years Think how frustrating that would be. What do you do? You've heard me say this probably. What do you do when you have the call of a king, but the job of a shepherd? You tend sheep like a king. And that's exactly what he did. A lion would come to take his sheep. He'd kill the lion. For me, I'd be like, I'm supposed to be on the throne in a few years, Mr. Lion. You could have that sheep. You can't get me though. Not him. A bear came, same thing. He killed the bear, why? Because how he tended to those sheep would represent one day how he tended to his people and his kingdom. And then he goes to face Goliath and Goliath looks at him and he says, what makes you think you're prepared to fight me? And David looks back and he says, I've been tending sheep. And Goliath's probably like, okay. And then he keeps talking and he's like, Let me expound on that. See, I've been in a waiting season, but I haven't been taking off days. The lion came, killed it. Bear came, killed it. In the same way that I killed the lion and the bear, I'm about to knock you out. You thought, you thought that it was a wasted season. It wasn't a wasted season. It was a waiting season. And that's God's word for you today. Be faithful where you are. And this will not be wasted time. It'll be waiting time where God develops you, improves you, and enables you to step into whatever the thing he has next is. And when you step into it, you'll look back like David and said, oh, I've been waiting for this. Very, very, very literally, I have been waiting for this and I've been active. I've been improving and I've been trusting God. You received that this morning. Amen. That message sure motivated our hearts, not the waste of weight, right? You know, a very helpful mentor taught me years ago, Jim, it's so much better to live a half a step behind God and have him speed you up than it is to get a half a step ahead of God and then he's got to clean up your mess. When God has to clean up our messes, it can be costly, it can be painful, and it can be so hard, right? But when we're just half a step behind God, It reminds us that God's perspectives and God's plans and God's way of doing things are so much better than our ways. Blessing belongs to people who treasure His guidance instead of treating His guidance lightly. 
And that's why Jesus promised us God will give us an open reward if we'll learn to honor his presence in prayer. And I'm so grateful that Pastor Jeffrey and our Next Gen team are equipping our next generation to experience the joy of answered prayer. Their mission is threefold. First, they're making sure their generation has a solid biblical worldview. Week in and week out, they're making sure a biblical foundation is being formed in the hearts of our next generation that a life of blessing can be built on. Next, they're helping their generation form godly friendships. Connections really do determine outcomes. And God wants us to rejoice over the blessings that He places on the next generation that's empowered by their connection to God and their connection to each other. And when that happens, the third part of the mission can be accomplished. And that is we want to see faith ignited in the hearts of our next generation. So their hearts are on fire with the passion of seeing God work greatly in their generation. Can you imagine how many problems that could solve? And we're so grateful that's happening in this region. Our student services have grown so much, we have to create more space for them to meet in. And I'm really grateful to have that challenge. And I'm grateful that through the Significant Church Network, student ministers are sharing best practices that are strengthening God's work among students in America's smaller cities and towns. Thank you for your prayers and support. Pastor Jim Graff's Significant Church Network is empowering thousands of ministry leaders across America. Ministry can be tough and often exhausting work, but the Significant Church Network is helping by coming alongside leaders so we can all become stronger together for God's greatest impact. As a small town pastor himself, Pastor Jim recognized the significant impact and influence that these ministries can have on their communities. We offer encouragement to those in America's smaller cities, working hard for the kingdom through pastoral coaching, helping resources, and a powerful connection of like-minded leaders. From our weekly live webinars to our annual gathering, we want to empower churches and leaders often overlooked in the heart of America. To join us or get involved in Pastor Graf's Significant Church Network, visit SignificantChurch.com. That's SignificantChurch.com.